This is Ethics and Etiquette, a thought-provoking discussion about everyday dilemmas. Our goal here is to offer you insights and perspectives on sticky situations that will help you to examine your choices and exercise your own ethical muscles. I'm your host, Marna Ashburn, here with wife, mother, and attorney, Kelly Halligan-Zimmerman. Good morning, Kelly. Hi, Marna. Hi, Mike. Hi, everybody. And Mike Derrick, a retired Army officer, combat vet, and father of four. Hello, Mike. Hey, good morning, Marna, and good morning, Kelly, and good morning, everybody. It's really nice to do this again. It is. It's good to be back with you, too, and hello to all our listeners. I apologize for the erratic nature of our episodes the last month or so. Most of it was due to pressing circumstances related to my family. In September, my father died at the age of 90, peacefully at home with his wife and two of my sisters by his side. We had his visitation and funeral at his church in Indianapolis, Second Presbyterian, and it was beautifully done with loving words by the minister and the choir director, touching hymns, an exceptional soloist, and scripture selected by my dad. Several days after the funeral, we all converged, my stepmother, my four sisters, and the ten grandchildren, and one great-grandson, for my dad's burial at his family plot in Norfolk, where he grew up. Because my dad is a retired Air Force veteran, and my brother-in-law works for Southwest, Southwest flew the casket at no charge to our family. Typically, it's around $700. So I'll be sending a thank you note to them for that. The airline also arranged for my family members traveling with Dad's casket to sit in the first two rows of the aircraft together. When they landed in Norfolk, the captain announced to the passengers that the plane was carrying a veteran to his final resting place and asked them to please remain seated while the family exited the plane first to meet the casket on the tarmac. The other passengers graciously and patiently waited. And as my family stood to disembark, and by way of acknowledging my dad and, I guess, sending sympathy, the plane load of people applauded. The USO had arranged for state troopers and an airport security detail to receive the flag-draped coffin and load it into the waiting hearse. Then the airport security drove my family around the terminal to the baggage claim area. So it was a very touching and emotional ritual all the way around. I want to acknowledge the kindness of Southwest Air and their employees, the passengers on the plane, the USO, and the airport security team who arranged the offloading, which made a heartbreaking moment that much more bearable. We've recently done a podcast on funeral etiquette and comforting the bereaved, and I want to take a moment to revisit and reaffirm some of what we talked about based on my own personal experiences. Rest assured that any kindness shown, no matter how small, at the time of a loss is a great comfort. So absolutely do call and check in if someone in your circle has experienced a loss, as Kelly and Mike both did for me several times. My neighbors brought around a few meals for me, which was much appreciated. Texts or messages are nice. It's always nice to see donations to the requested charity show up or flowers including flowers from the family of a man my dad served with in the Air Force in 1955. He and my dad stayed in touch all this time and died within a few weeks of each other. Now is the time for a personal touch. 
Several of my high school friends took time off work to come to the visitation and the funeral, and it was amazing to see them there. So do make that effort. And continue to reach out. Concerned friends called after I got home from the funeral to see how I was doing. You're not alone, are you, they asked. I just want to make sure you're okay. I'm thinking about you. I'm praying for you. That type of thing is just wonderful. It all comes back to reaching out, connecting, making contact, expressing sympathy. Although it may be difficult, it may be uncomfortable, I can't overstate the significance of it at a time like this. So thank you. Mike, Kelly, do you have anything to add? Wow. It's hard to follow, Morna. I appreciate the time to do a little monologue. and It's personal, but we've been getting more personal with our audience and mm-hmm. more revealing. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, no, it's beautiful, Morna. Great job. Beautifully said. It's, it's really hard to, to say much about it other than it's really so touching, especially with how Southwest Airlines handled everything and and how strangers behaved. It really is heartwarming, and it really gives you hope because sometimes you hear all these negative stories. It does. It leaves a really good feeling yeah. when that happens. Kind of at a loss for words, Marna. It's very moving. Today, you know, happens to be what would have been my father's 93rd birthday, so your words made Aww. me think of him. Sitting in his basement at his table. And I bet. <laughs> looking at his tools here in the basement recording studio. Um, Mike bought the house he grew up in, for our listeners who don't know. I guess I w- would say that if a listener dropped into this podcast, and I don't know how many episodes we've put up now, but if they that could That would rem- be 53. Okay, there we go. That's a very big number. If they could remember one thing, and you said it, Marna, you said it in this context, and it applies in so many, it just, and that is reach out and touch people. You know, it could be a phone call, it could be a visit, uh, it could be bringing by food, um, you know, going to an event and just standing in the back. Exactly. Was, uh, just being there. Just being there. You know, I, I live about three miles from the funeral home which serves the town of Peru and um, I know the funeral director I've known him for a long time both my parents had their services there and so there really isn't an excuse not to go when you have even the most sort of tenuous connection to somebody and this Saturday I I went to a, a memorial service of a man whose son I went to high school with. And, um, you know, I haven't seen this guy in six years. And again, we were, we weren't the same year, so we weren't particularly close. But, you know, when I showed up and I was in that line and, and of course we're wearing masks during, you know, crazy COVID. And so, you know, something is diminished when you can't see the full human face, but he recognized me. And I just, I saw the, I saw, you know, you have to read people's eyes during this time. And I saw his eyes light up and just totally caught him off guard that I would come to this. And uh, I knew his mom, too. And so I I just said the usual words. But, you know, it made me feel exactly, you know, the way in which you just, you just described so eloquently, Marna. It just underlined the fact that, you know, that, that was the right place to be at the right time and uh, may have 
been a little inconvenient and it was pouring rain and that's okay just go just be there show up so that's the one thing people should take away from this podcast just saying (laughs) life is about showing up yeah and connecting that's right in a personal way and i know that death and loss it can be very uncomfortable for people they don't know what to say they can't make it all better but I always say, feel the discomfort and do what you should do anyway. And maybe that's sending a text if if you just can't go in person. But Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to the first scenario. It's somewhat related to my dad. And the last couple of weeks made me think of it again. My grandmother, my dad's mother, was a gifted pianist and piano teacher. When she died, her piano went to my dad, and later, after I got married and had children, we moved the piano to my house, and my daughter took lessons on it for a couple of years. Fast forward five years from her last lesson, she stopped the piano. Nobody in my family is playing the piano. I'm getting ready to sell my house, so I'm paring down my possessions. I know that if I tell my dad that we no longer want or need the piano, He'll want me to somehow get it back to him in Indianapolis so so he can put it in his living room as a plant stand. Parenthetically, he has hoarder tendencies. <laughs> so I didn't tell him. What I did was I contacted the local music school where my children took lessons and asked them if they wanted the piano. The music school director came and took a look at the piano, and she said, you know, we get a lot of people wanting to donate their pianos these days, but most of them are junk. This one, though, still has plenty of play left in it. So she arranged for movers to come and transport the piano to the music school. They placed it in the recital hall and acknowledged the gift in my grandmother's name in their next newsletter. After the deal was done, my plan was to tell my dad about the donation, couching it in glowing terms that generations to come would take lessons on grandma's piano and perform recitals on the piano, and wouldn't Grandma be so pleased? I told one of my friends about my plan, and she implored me not to tell my dad. She said it would upset him because I didn't consult him and didn't give him the option to get the piano back. So between these two options, or maybe you have a third, what do you think was the best course of action for me? And I'm going to start with you, Mike. I think you did the right thing, Marna. Well, I didn't tell you what I did yet. (laughs) Oh. But I will. Okay. Somehow in there I thought you did, or at least maybe you indicated. Whatever. Well, I I had a plan. You had a plan. All right. So let me me take that back. Um, I would not tell your father. Um, It's a little different if it was like... You know, something other than a piano. A piano is just physically big, and they're hard to move. They're expensive to move. Um, And oh, by the way, a piano serves a very remarkable purpose, and it can bring, you know, joy to people's lives. It can fill the air with music. So it really ought to be used, and I think you did the right thing. I might suggest that, you know, how you see on all sorts of things, you see little like little metal plaques and perhaps you might have um, put a little metal plaque on it with just simply the name of your grandmother and perhaps the dates of her life you know um, 
and you know that I think then you would check that block and you would kind of just make it apparent that this was somebody's beloved instrument and they played it for years and they made many many people happy and now it now it goes on to a new life but I think I think a piano or any sort of musical instrument deserves to be played I really do it doesn't shouldn't sit on a shelf it shouldn't be in a box so that's my thought no and I learned that they really do need to be played pianos guitars they yeah, need to be yeah. played or they mm-hmm. they lose their qualities mm-hmm. so yeah. yeah they're designed to have all those strings at the right tension and um yeah if they sit in a in a on a shelf or whatever they just lose their vitality look at look at the um the grand uh, violins that are still being played hundreds of years after they were made um, and it's you, know, you speak to any musician and serious musician who plays a stringed instrument and they will tell you that yeah it's got to be it's got to be cared for it has to be played it has to be used it has to be uh, maintained okay so Kelly what what are your thoughts on this well I as you know, I'm not a musician. And well, neither am I. <laughs> so I feel neither am I, little, by the way. I feel I'm a little out of my depth. My, uh, my cousins on my dad's side were all super musical. And their dad's family, uh, not, not our side of the family, was very musical. So my mom and dad wanted us to take piano lessons. And it was pretty much a disaster. And I remember my aunt with all, you know, her musical children, you know, joked, you know, that that she didn't play an instrument. She played the radio. <laughs> so that's kind of... <laughs> I like to joke that I, I had a good. musical bypass when I was very young. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of... Uh, but we had the piano lessons and, um, yeah, it didn't go well. But anyways, back to your uh, piano scenario... Um, I did not know your dad, so if I knew him, I feel I'd be in a better position to kind of predict how this would go. And then, you know, we have your stepmom, which is also a consideration. She's going to hear about it. What is she going to say? How is she going to react? So you've got a lot going on. Um, I think what I would say is you have two options. One is to do it prior to the gift. And just be upfront with your dad. That does not seem like a good option, based upon what you describe. Uh, I think you could end up being stuck having to ship this piano and or deal with your dad and settle him down, and that just doesn't seem like a good option. So the second option I think is to do exactly what you did, and then. If your dad asks about the piano, you tell him the truth about the piano. But you don't proactively, on your own initiative, talk about the piano. Because you're not going to talk about the piano. I mean, you're not going to bring the piano up. It's just not a, you know, it's not a topic of conversation generally. So I would just leave it alone. And, you know, if your dad asks about the piano or the piano lessons, then you tell him the truth about the piano in glowing terms. But other than that, you leave it be. That's pretty much what I did, Kelly. I, I didn't tell him, as it turned out. Uh, uh-huh. I, I didn't tell him. I okay. took I took my friend's advice to heart, and 
I thought, knowing my dad, it's going to tear his heart out to think that his mother's piano is not in the family anymore, even though nobody plays piano anymore. Nobody plays piano in our family. And um, so I was just quiet about it. And I don't know if one of my sisters might have told him or not, but he never asked about the piano either. And if he had, I would have said I donated it to the music school. And uh, they were happy to have it. They're having lessons on it. They're playing recitals on it. And Grandma's piano is still being used the way it should be used. And that's that's all I can say. That's the best I can do, Dad. Yeah. I mean, and that to me is much better than having it sitting in somebody's basement, living room, garage. Plant stand. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's being put to good use. And I'm sure that's what your grandmother would have wanted. But I, I think it's it's a tough situation. And again, I think, you know, your stepmom could get your dad all spun up about it as well. So that's another kind of wild card. That's a consideration, though. I think she was kind of happy to get it out of their house because it's big. And you know what else I want to mention? Whenever I go into, um, like, the restore, thrift shops, whatever, I always see, like, three pianos in there. And I've right. also seen them mm-hmm. on, the, on the curb. Like, people just oh, roll yeah. them out it's, to the curb and, you know, it's free. A, it's <laughs> a big issue. I um, We have a piano in, in my garage, I'm embarrassed to say. And I recently read an article about people struggling to get rid of pianos, which seemed amazing to me because I thought, oh, my gosh, I could donate this with no problem. That is not the case, as mm-hmm. you pointed out. Um, and it was so it's so large and it's not a grand piano but you know our home is not big and it just was kind of in the way so Mm -hmm. and you know my mom brings it up on occasion and is you know it's a really good piano and somebody's gonna want it you could sell it and I'm kind of like you You could try I'm like okay mom like not really (laughs) you could give it away maybe (laughs) I don't know. I I think that's difficult, too, because like Mike said, they're they're so big to transport. A lot of people, you know, it's not worth the expense and the time. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah. I knew somebody who just wanted to move their piano up from the basement to the first floor, and the the quote to move it was $500. Really? Wow. Yeah. So... And I've also been seeing online ways to repurpose old pianos. Like one really cute idea was you turn it into a coffee bar. You know, oh, you kind really? Of, you kind of carve it up and um, make that your coffee bar. <laughs> wow. I'll see if okay. I can find that picture. I'll put it on our Instagram. Okay. Well, that was interesting to talk about that. And uh, funny, my, now my dad's gone now. I can be totally transparent about mm-hmm. it. He. He never did ask about it. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe he forgot. I don't know. But if it upset him, if he knew, if it upset him, he never said anything to me. Mm-hmm. It, I was a little upset with myself for not being totally transparent. But I thought my friend Sheila, shout out to Sheila, I thought she made a good point. So I decided to follow her advice. Yeah, sometimes, yeah, sometimes no good deed goes unpunished. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, yeah, mean, I think you did the right thing, Marna, you know, and. Kelly's Kelly's thoughts were really good too. So it's tough. It's tough, you know, watching watching the relationship between aging people, and I put myself in that category, and our stuff. 
you know, our things, our things that are so important to us that may not be important to others. Yep. Kelly and I just had a conversation about that last night, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Or two nights ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, we don't, I mean, things shouldn't be important. You know, people are what's important. But, you know, as we age, like you said, Mike, you know, we have some possessions that are just dear to us, especially if they belong to family members. Mm-hmm. And that's when it becomes, you know, kind of emotional. Right. Yeah, it lends a whole other dimension to it. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to our next scenario. And this happened um, to me during the funeral weekend, and I just want to talk about it, get your advice. The cemetery in Norfolk couldn't accommodate a burial on Friday like we wanted Actually, it was going to be Saturday with funeral, Thursday, travel day, Friday, burial, Saturday. The best they could do was was the following Monday, which meant we had to cool our heels in the Norfolk area over the weekend. We decided to move from a hotel by the airport to a nicer hotel on the bay in Virginia Beach since we had a couple days unexpected time there. And it turned out to be a great respite for the family. One morning, I was having coffee on the back deck of the hotel overlooking the water. I was sitting on a couch, but there was a restaurant service out there, a couple tables, and a couple was having breakfast together. Before long, a man wandered up from the beach, not a hotel guest, and stood by this couple's table and started making conversation with them. He was there for an hour. And I left after an hour, so maybe he was there longer. He talked about landfills, medical waste, washing up on the beach, Keynesian economics, climate change, you name it. He was an expert, and he talked most of the time. The other man at the table kept eating, but the woman did talk to the beach man. I couldn't really get a read on her, whether she thought she was being interrupted or just being polite. Did she really want the beach man to move on? Or was she engaged? I couldn't really get a read on her. My question is this. We like to suggest scripts on this show for life's awkward moments. What is your script to politely get rid of someone who's encroaching on your peaceful morning beach breakfast? Or anything, for that matter. Is there a way to dispatch them diplomatically? Or do you just finish your breakfast, pay the check, and leave and hope he doesn't follow you back to your room? Kelly, I'm anxious to hear what you have to say. (laughs) Well, I have a few questions. Like, how do you know he was not a hotel guest? Uh, I had seen him the day before uh, walk up on the beach with his dog. So I knew that he was just a a local. Okay. And then how was he dressed? Was he in his bathing suit? Did he come up out of the water? I'm just curious (laughs) how he presented. No, he was wearing shorts and a shirt. Flip-flops. Do you think it's possible that he was a friend of theirs and they were staying in the area to visit with him or knew him? I don't think so. I mean, it's just kind of, it's kind of hard. I mean, for a whole hour, it's kind of hard to believe they didn't know him, that they would tolerate that. Um, But having said that, assuming that he is, you know, dressed appropriately, like if he's in a bathing suit and towel and sloppy and it's a nice restaurant... You could always excuse yourself, you know, to use the ladies' room and then say to the, 
you know, maitre d' or someone from the restaurant, hey, you know, excuse me, you know, there's this person from the beach and they're talking to us nice enough, but, you know, I don't think they meet the attire. Could you give us a hand here? Um, that's a kind of a, a polite way to deal with it where you don't have to deal with it personally and you allow the restaurant to deal with it. Um, if they're, on the other hand, dressed appropriately and they're just chatting with you, you're either going to have to, you know, put up with it or say something. And I think you just say something and just say, you know, maybe he's introduced himself or you just say, oh, hey, great. It's been great to catch up with you. Um, You know, I'm on a special vacation here with my husband. So if you wouldn't mind, please excuse us and let us kind of continue our breakfast. You know, nice, nice to talk to you. And then just look down and keep keep eating. And (laughs) I don't know what else to do. I mean, you know, my husband is like a real like chatty guy, especially with like he's not so chatty with people he knows, but sometimes with new people he is and, and kind of, you know, sort of I feel like if there's somebody a little different, they're kind of a you know, they'll like go talk to him because they kind of see a friendly face. Um, so we've had that happen before. <laughs> not that exact scenario. And, you know, usually my husband just talks and, you know, goes along with it. But you know, sometimes I'm like, okay, excuse me, we got to go <laughs> or something. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm it, the I'm the kind of the bad guy, but I don't mind as long as you're uh-huh. polite to the person. Okay. That's good advice. Can you say again the way that you would um, politely give him a send off? Because I, I would just say something like, hey, it's been great to, to talk to you. And, you know, you've got some really interesting viewpoints on you know, economics or however. Um, but my husband and I are here on a special vacation and, you know, we just want to get back to enjoying our breakfast and um, enjoying some time together. You know, take care. Okay. And then take, just look down and start take eating care. breakfast. Take care. Yeah. Bye-bye. Good luck. Good luck to you. <laughs> you know, something like, but, but, but very nice. And then, you know, I think that a person like that is probably going to take the hint and head off if, you know, if they don't or if something weird happens, I mean, you could always talk to the, you know, get up to use the bathroom and talk to the management or something. Right. I mean, I would think that they've had situations like that before. And I wouldn't be surprised if that guy hasn't done that before to other right. guests. Right, because he was there the day before. Yeah. Hanging out. I was, saw him getting drinks at the uh, the window there the day before. Okay. So either get, get a third party involved, the restaurant manager or politely send him on his way mike yeah i think i think you guys are on the mark here um i wonder if he he didn't sit down right marna he did not sit down he stood um yeah yeah. next to their table i mean there's like a a five minute statute of limitations on standing by somebody's table and talking if they're seated you know <laughs> yeah. after that i, I love that's, it Mike. I, that's a good rule <laughs> i probably if, misused that term kelly and i apologize to the entire <laughs> legal community but um if you're not yeah, invited to sit down you'll yeah, find me and okay. and the other thing is he's probably a known quantity by the staff there and they're probably in the back taking bets going oh i wonder how long it'll take uh this couple to like uh decide that this guy's worn out as welcome so um, they've probably dealt with him before, is my guess. Um, I would also think that the 
two people seated at the table were not a couple. So maybe they were, you know, they were business associates or something, but there, there's no unity of action there. You'd think they would work together to get rid of him. And my guess is that, you know, the man was thinking, oh, the woman will, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to be rude. I don't want to make myself look bad in front of this woman, you know, whoever she is, whatever their relationship is. And she's probably thinking the same thing. That's um, a great point, Mike. Um, yeah. That's a great point. Cause... That's, so this is really weird. I mean, um, I, I think this, although it, I have seen this happen much more often um, lately because everybody's dining on the sidewalk during COVID. You know, so like Good restaurants, yeah. restaurants have spilled into the street. Sure. And, you know, Kathy and I just got back from California and um, we were flying out of San Diego very early one morning. So we went down the night before and stayed in the gas lamp district. I'd never been there. Heard a lot about it, but I'd never been there. And uh, I mean, there are just it's an entire street, maybe more than one street with tables in the street they've closed the street and there's all like church street in burlington yeah like church street in burlington yeah very Mm -hmm. similar except much longer and much warmer um (laughs) you know and uh so all kinds of interesting weird crazy characters walking up and down the street um and uh you know everybody everything from you know street performers to homeless people and and uh, so, you know, there was, it was just, you were a lot closer to all of that. But I tell you, standing by somebody's table for an hour, that's like, okay, this is not making sense. So, yeah, that's, that's just. Yeah. And in, inviting yourself to sit down would be the worst. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mind if I, I mean, pull up a chair? <laughs> that's, a, I mean, we're, we're bordering on con artist at that point. And, <laughs> yeah. You know. I yeah. Mean, yeah. Uh, hey, so Kelly, I'm curious what you say to somebody who pulls up a chair and says, may I join you? <laughs> I I mean at that point I, no no you cannot join me <laughs> who are you there's that no unvarnished yeah. yeah yeah I mean you know here's a piece of French toast see ya <laughs> no, here's, wait, a, but... here's a muffin <laughs> yeah if Office, I got you yeah. a muffin and a cup of coffee would you go away yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean it's just it is weird like Mike said for an hour and some of that is on on the couple or the two people. I shouldn't call them a couple. You know, if I have somebody standing over me, I'm eating my breakfast and I'm out of there. I'm not right. talking to some guy for an hour. Although, again, like my husband is so sweet. He would talk with them. He would totally be like, oh, yeah. Blah, blah, I mean, blah, blah. That, that's the option yeah. of, you know, finishing your breakfast and leaving. But the thing is, he was encroaching on their beautiful morning beachside breakfast. You know, he's... If you did that, yeah, you'd be yeah. allowing him to force you force you to rush through the breakfast. Well, and that that's that's on the restaurant too. Yeah, they that's what I was be, thinking, Mike. They, yeah. you know, this is. I mean, they're the ones who who own that space or they have rights to that space. Um, they should control it. And I would put something in my review, or I would speak to the manager. That's what I was just thinking. If I had to yeah. tolerate that, I'd I'd talk to the manager and be like, "Hey, yeah. you." I've got to know this person is doing this. You know, I apparently it happened the day before. You know, p- you shouldn't put people in a position like that. Mm-hmm. You know, you yeah. need to kind of police your restaurant or your patio yeah. or whatever. 
And as you no doubt have probably figured out, this guy from the beach man, he wasn't good at picking up on social cues. These types of people usually aren't. And I did notice that the husband, I'm going to say he was the husband, he was sending cues to him like, we're trying to eat, move along, nothing to see here. But he wasn't picking up on them. (laughs) Yeah, and if they're a couple, then their beautiful beach mornings ruined and then they're going to be arguing because he's going to be like why <laughs> we're talking hour. to that weirdo what's the matter with you oh this can cascade quickly yeah. into yeah. a very this... very difficult situation this could be like <laughs> three more episodes marna we could be, oh boy we yeah definitely so be but a you know situation well it's been here. nice talking with you uh, we're just going to finish up our personal conversation here bye-bye yeah. <laughs> take care take yeah. care it's Best really, of it's luck really, to you. it's on the restaurant. They, they failed. Um, and if it's a, if it's a good place and you're of an attentive server, attentive staff, it shouldn't have happened. So, yeah, like the server could come up and, you know, having been a waitress and say, um, you know, say to the couple, excuse me, is he with you? Do I need to put, you know, should we get another go. chair? There you go. Yeah. Um, and that gives you an opportunity to say, no, he's not with us. And then, you know, or or the server could say, okay, you know, I'm sorry. Would you, you know, since you're not here, you know, we need to have free access, you know, to the aisles and walkways. Um, you know, appreciate yeah. Yeah. your no, clearing very, them for very us or good something. Idea. Yeah. And then you've just increased your tip. Hopefully. Well, hopefully this gives you some, our listeners, some ideas on what to do during awkward moments when you don't want to be too rude, but you can't think of what to say in the moment. Thanks for your advice, guys. I have an end note for this show, and this is a life lesson that I failed to impart to my son and to my daughter, but they know it now. And that is always, always, always remember to bring a hanky or two or a a packet of tissue to a funeral or a burial because you do not want to be caught without a hanky or a tissue when you're sad and crying. I noticed that my son at the funeral was quite upset and he he was standing there and he didn't have any tissue or handkerchief or anything and I wanted to run over and give him one, but I couldn't interrupt the ceremony. So you only have to do that once before you learn your lesson to, um, you know, bring something for yourself and something for someone else who forgot. Very practical. (laughs) Very practical, yeah. So this just popped into my head, as so much does when we talk about these incredible topics. But um, drawing together several themes that have come up today, um, I shared earlier that today would have been my father's 93rd birthday. And um, we've also talked about things that belong to family members, elderly family members, and what do you do with them? And then you just talked about hankies, so let me draw all three together. I can't I, wait to hear how you're going to draw all this had, together. <laughs> wait for it. Yeah, yeah, wait, wait, wait for it, Marna, wait for it. Um, my father had probably 10 really interesting handkerchiefs, and like some were embroidered and some came from places he'd visited, like there, it's a, some of them are a map, for example, and then some are just beautiful, you know, designs and fabrics. All hankies. And somehow, as, you know, we went through his things, I said, I'm going to take all my father's hankies. And nobody else wanted them. 
And so that's what I use now. And I always have a hanky in my pocket and it belonged to my father. And, um, and there they are, you know, because otherwise I just had like, you know, in the army, you get issued hankies, you know, they come come in a box of eight and they're a little white, (laughs) you know, and they're very poor quality and they, and my father's were much nicer. So it was a real big upgrade in my life. Um, plus it allows me to remember my dad. And I always have a hanky. So how about that, Marna? I pulled them all together. It's a mark of a true gentleman if he carries a hanky. <laughs> it's a rare thing these days. But yeah. we, it has to be clean. And it right. has to be right. clean, and, by the way. And don't give your dirty hanky to somebody to else. <laughs> has to be clean. Should be, should be neatly pressed, okay? You never give a lady like a crumpled wadded up hanky yes you know? but we knew we knew you were a so, gentleman all right that's the mark of, that. of a true gentleman <laughs> i hope my sons are listening i hope my son learned his <laughs> lesson i think i talked to him afterwards and said oh yeah i forgot to tell you this <laughs> and it's true you don't you don't see hankies anymore i i actually just thought like i wonder if my kids know what a hanky is i i need to ask them i remember my dad used to use handkerchiefs like when i was young i remember he had them and I remember folding them, but at some point they just went away and weren't used anymore. My dad too, but I don't see him anymore. And isn't it satisfying to iron a handkerchief? <laughs> it's just so no. It's just oh no, no it not. is. It's so easy. No, it's so, ironing is it's not. It's so satisfying. immediately fulfilling. You got this beautiful pressed. <laughs> Marna, I'm with you. Marna, I didn't see this coming, I but I'm with you on this stuff one. That's wrinkle-free, you know. Whatever they do to make it so you don't have to iron it, that's just get a little, get a little cotton poly, get a little exactly. poly in the blend. Or you could dry um, clean your handkerchief. Kelly, we, Kelly, we yeah. can talk about I, this offline. Maybe dry cleaning, okay? we'll just as long hanky. as I don't have to iron it. That, that's what I'm about. Kelly, I have some ideas <laughs> okay. which might help you. Yeah, let's talk offline. You just never know what's going to come up in this um, show. Hey, and Marna, I just want to thank you for. A remarkably eloquent um, memory of your father, and you know, I know it's very recent, and it took took some courage, and I think we heard that in your voice. But it really, really touched me, just as today happens to be my father's ninety third birthday. And um, so, thank you. You warm my heart. What a wonderful way to start this day, October fifth. 2021. I'm sorry for your loss, Mike. And your dad was a remarkable man. He really was. Yeah. I was able to meet him a couple times in the last two decades. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah no, I, I really have no idea what to say. And that's what our show is about. Yeah, it was really beautiful. Mm-hmm. And No, it was beautiful, Marna. I'm sorry I didn't have a chance to meet your guys' as dads. Um, we can go down to Florida and meet my dad mm-hmm. and go out and go out and party. Yeah, that's what my my dad is a lot of fun. I yeah. met your dad. I met your mom too. Your mom, she she sticks mm-hmm. in my mind. Yeah. I think because she was a force of nature. She definitely is still. <laughs> and so is my dad. <laughs> well, good. Hey, let's keep this conversation going. Send us an email inbox at ethicsandetiquette.com or leave a voicemail on our website ethicsandetiquette.com. Check out our Instagram at ethicsetiquette and our Facebook page, Ethics and Etiquette. If you want to support what we're doing, subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Leave a positive review and keep recommending Ethics and Etiquette to your friends and family. For Kelly Halligan-Zimmerman and Mike Derrick, I'm Marna Ashburn, and this is Ethics and Etiquette, 
a thought-provoking dialogue about everyday dilemmas. Thanks for being with us this week, and we invite you to join us again. New episodes are posted on the first and third Wednesday of every month. See you then.